In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Hey, uh, how, how are those New Year's resolutions coming? You know, uh, it's, it's only January 19th, but um, this is the time that most resolutions have uh, by, by now sort of been chucked or forgotten or seriously revised, right? Um, and in fact, a lot of people don't even don't make resolutions for this reason. I heard a statistic this week, and I did not verify it, but I heard it, uh, that the older you are, the less, like, less likely you are to make resolutions, The reason being, you're kind of sick of not keeping resolutions. Uh, So, in fact, there's a whole industry out there uh, on how to make your resolutions stick. You pay people and they remind you to write your resolutions down and put them in a place uh, that you can see them every day or uh, maybe give yourself a cheat day. So, for instance, if you're going to exercise every day or read the Bible every day that, you know, you just say six out of seven days or four out of seven days, something like that. Give yourself a cheat day. Make your resolutions public uh, rather than uh, private so you have accountability, a little social pressure on yourself. Uh, Maybe even don't call them resolutions, you know, call them goals. And you can pay people to remind you of these things or your rector. Um, um, So I'm I'm at, for me, I'm actually still working on my resolutions. I've got a Word document on my computer that's been open for about three weeks. And I'm I'm, uh, going through that. But, you know, for the, for the purposes of this sermon, I'm, I'm really not interested in what your resolutions are uh, or how well you keep your resolutions. What I'm interested in is why do you pick the resolutions that you've picked? Why do you set the goals that you set? Now, if, you do, if, you don't, uh, if you're one who doesn't set resolutions or, or goals, then don't tune out because I'm going to get to you in just a minute. But um, why do you set the goals that you set? Why do you make the resolutions Uh, that you make at at any time of the year, not just at New Year's. For instance, if your resolution is to drink more water, uh, why? Why why is that? Not that that's a bad thing, but what are you you after? What are you trying to accomplish? Uh, If your resolution is to weigh less or to volunteer more or to drink less alcohol or to read more books, why? Again, great things, but what what is it that you are after? Uh, what is the reason behind the resolution? What is shaping your desire to make that particular change? And asking that question is sort of a way to kind of get to what is really, sort of actually, important to you down deep. Uh, now, if you're not a resolution maker, I think we can still look below the surface and see what's really important to us, what we're after, even if we don't like what we see. I'll give you an example. And this is very hypothetical, uh, totally uh, probably doesn't actually happen in my house. But if my kids don't do what I tell them to do, um, then how do I react to that? Do I say, thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to teach my children about responsibility? (laughs) Or... Do I get mad because their disobedience has challenged my sense of my authority in my house? What am I after? And my reactions actually uh, will tell you what I'm actually after. I mean, am am I after some sort of existential validation from my children? 
I would never do that. <laughs> never do that. Um, so my re- reactions actually say what my, prior- my actual priorities are. Why do I react the way I do? What am I after? Why are we addicted to our phones or to shopping or to shopping on our phones <laughs> or to pornography or gambling? or to the approval of others, or to alcohol, or just to getting our own way. What are we after? Are we after escape, or affirmation, or information? What is going on that inside of us that's driving uh, our inclinations? Is it possible that there is some hole deep inside us that we're trying desperately to fill? What are you looking for? Now, ask this question, or actually, you can ask this question about just, just about anything in your life. And I don't mean to imply that it's always going to be negative, right? It's, I mean, why do you make a doctor's appointment? Why do you hug your kids or your grandkids before bed? Why uh, do you save your money or give to charity? What are you after? And I bring all this up because in the Gospel from John uh, that Father John just read, Jesus asks this question. What are you looking for? And it has arrested me all week as I have been thinking about it. Two men begin to follow Jesus as He walks along the bank of the Jordan River and Jesus turns around and asks them, what are you looking for? And Jesus is at the very beginning of His ministry. He's been hanging around the Jordan River. He's been baptized by John the Baptist. And John the Baptist has already made at least four incredible statements about Jesus. He, he said, uh, he saw Jesus and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now remember, I mean, John is baptizing people who are burdened by their own sin, right? I mean, they are there because they feel guilt or they feel shame or they feel estranged from God. They feel like they need a redo of some sort. And John has dunked them under the river water as a symbol of the washing away of their sins or their estrangement or their regrets or whatever it is. But that's why they've come for the symbol. And and John sees Jesus and he says, this is the guy who actually does it. Not symbolically or sacramentally, but actually takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So it makes sense that that's the first thing. It makes sense that the second thing that John says is that he came baptizing with water for for the express purpose of revealing Jesus to Israel. I came, says John, to show you Him. And third, John says uh, that he saw the Holy Spirit of God descend and remain upon Jesus. Now, up to this point, before actually before Pentecost, the Holy Spirit uh, comes, but really just for a, for a per- single purpose of, of ministry at a time, and, and then it, he departs. It's unusual and, in, and um, important for John that he sees the Spirit descend upon Jesus and stay. And finally, John says, probably maybe the most stunning thing of all, he says, this is the Son of God. The Son of God. And you know what Jesus has done up to this point? Nothing. 
He hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't done any, um, he hadn't called any disciples. He hasn't done any teaching to speak of. His first miracle doesn't come to the next chapter in John where he turns water into wine. You would kind of think that's when people would start following Jesus, right? He turns water into wine. That's a pretty good trick. Let's hang around that guy. But, um, you know, John the baptizer was a prophet who had his heart right. And God, uh, he knew that God had raised him up for one purpose, and that was so that he would set the stage for the Messiah. He was to set the stage for the Messiah. And when Jesus comes to the river, and John heard from the Lord, and he saw the Spirit descend like a dove upon Jesus, John gladly and willingly pointed his own disciples towards Jesus. And so these two men leave John and start to follow after Jesus. Probably there along the riverbank on the Jordan. And Jesus turns around and asks them what I think is a very unexpected question. What are you looking for? What are you seeking? Because you might expect Jesus to say, why are you following me? Or... Um, what can I do for you? Or uh, do you want to join me? But I think that Jesus' question intentionally cuts deeper. Uh, what is it that you're after? Why have you made the decision? You heard what John said about me. You've made a choice to leave him and to come and follow me. So what is it exactly that you're looking for? And this question, I think, has arrested me because it's, you know, it's the beginning of the year, new year, and I've been thinking a lot about what uh, I want for us to accomplish as a church uh, by the end of the year. I've been thinking a lot about what I want to accomplish personally by the end of the year. And I think for me, at least, it's easy to wrap my identity and sort of um, what I view about myself to get my worth from my uh, accomplishments and what I achieve. And this question, I think, is a, is a healthy check uh, on the, the real ambitions of my motivation. Because what am I after really? And I don't know how you answer that question. In fact, I don't really have a mechanism for you to answer. We're not going to take five minutes of silence right, for you to uh, write it down. You're going to have to take it home and journal about it or meditate, say your prayers. For me, what I'm usually after in some way or another is validation or affirmation. It goes back to my childhood. I'll tell you about that another time. But, um, I mean, for you, it may be like I'm after peace and quiet or just peace. I'm after uh, companionship. I'm after comfort and security. I mean, whatever it is, however you answer this question, uh, I want you to, to consider two things from this passage. First, when Jesus says, what are you looking for? The, the disciples don't have an answer right away. And I think that's important. They don't say, well, we're, we're following you because we're looking for the Son of God. And they don't say, uh, we're looking for a really good teacher. We're looking for miracles. They, they say, uh, where are you staying? <laughs> they don't, that's not an answer to, to his question. It's just sort of this sort of awkward exchange. And it doesn't seem to bother Jesus at all. 
that they don't really know yet what they're looking for. And Jesus says, come and see. You know, let's walk together. Let's walk together. That's Jesus' invitation. And you may hear me ask this question of Jesus, put it to you, what are you looking for? And there is an area or two of your life that you don't know what exactly it is that you're looking for. It's going to take a little more introspection. Come and see, Jesus says. Let's walk together. So that's the first thing. Number one, they don't, they don't have the answer right away. And number two, when Andrew uh, goes, Andrew's one of the two men, and when he goes and finds his brother, who ends up being a fairly important figure, Peter, uh, Simon Peter, he says, we've found the Messiah. And I think that the author, John, the, uh, not John the Baptist, but the author of John's Gospel, I, I think he does this on purpose because Jesus says, what are you looking for? And Andrew's first words are, we found the Messiah, the Christ. We found the Son of God. We, we, in other words, we found the real answer to what they were looking for, and they've actually found the real answer to what we're looking for. They found the Christ. Because are you looking, like I am often, for affirmation and acceptance? Well, in Christ, you are the beloved child of God. And with you, He is well pleased. Because of Christ, there's nothing between you and God. He's taken care of that on the cross. You are accepted and affirmed. Are you looking for peace in your life? Well, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He is the one who has come to give us peace with God and who has also come to help us and walk with us as we seek peace with others. Are you looking for companionship? Jesus says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Are you looking for comfort and security? Jesus has won our eternal security, and no matter what happens in this life, nothing can take that away from us. What are you looking for? It's found in the Messiah. And so as we begin this new year, now I mean whether or not you make resolutions, let us be sure to pay attention to what we are really looking for. And let us fix our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, upon the Messiah, Jesus, who has found us, and who is the realest, truest, ultimate answer to everything that we are looking for. And I realize that takes introspection, that takes time, that takes prayer, it takes journaling, however you reach those sorts of conclusions. But let us ask of ourselves prayerfully, what are we looking for? And how is Jesus the answer? Let's finish with a prayer. Lord, in your psalm today, you said you um, have reached down into the muck and the mire and pulled us out and set our feet upon the rock. Thank you, Lord, that you are the answer. And you actually know better than we do what we are looking for, what what is the longing of our heart. And you know, uh, in fact, you've come because you are the answer. You are the thing that will satisfy and quench our heart's desire. So we ask, God, that you would be that for us and that you would give us the grace uh, to realize that and to return to it over and over again. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.